if you are somewhat puzzled by the topic in front of you, and I quote, dealing with the spiritual and material gaps in our community, I must confess that so was I. Apparently I agreed to address this topic some months ago, but frankly I had to go back to our organizer, sitting so modestly in the back, and said, what did I agree to talk about? He explained to me, beautifully, succinctly, that there are in fact gaps, both spiritual and material, in our community. We have to deal with them. What did he mean? Gaps exist and always will exist in our community. That's the definition of the world that we inhabit. In the spiritual realm, our rabbis have taught us that each and every individual, every single person, man and woman, attains a unique and different spiritual level. So much so that when after a full life of doing good on different levels, little the reverse, the rabbis have expressed themselves as called Echad, the Echad, Every individual, we're taught in Baba Basra, reaches a certain level of spirituality and is blessed with a station on high, which is called a chupa. And each and every one is somehow singed by that of his friend, who may have attained a somewhat higher spiritual level. So there are certainly gaps and even chasms between individuals, even if the individuals inhabit the same part of our spiritual world. Take Hamide Chachamim. So what Talmud Chacham is someone who devotes himself to study. Within the world of Tamir Chachamim, there are numerous levels of insight, of breadth and depth of knowledge. It's impossible to put each and every Talmud Chacham and say, oh, he's a Talmud Chacham. Some of us were privileged to learn at the feet of giants and know that although we may all be called rabbi, there are such gaps between the more accomplished, the most accomplished, and the plain rabbis. Mind-boggling gaps. And so too, even within the simple folk, there are great differences in their spiritual achievements, what they've achieved by their acts of loving kindness, as we shall get to, their tefillah, as we heard so eloquently from Rav Tversky. Gaps. How much more so 
between the various groups, a Talmud Chacham on the one hand who devotes himself intensely to Torah study, what the rabbis called an Amaretz, means someone who's not so disposed to focus on Torah study. And even more so, in our world, to those who are Shomrei Torah Mitzvahs, who observe the Halacha with dedication and precision, and those who are unfortunately not yet committed to a Torah way of life, of keeping the, the fundamentals, Shabbos, Kashas, etc. So there are gaps, and there always will be. And as the title goes, spiritual, of course, first, and material gaps in our community. Material means money. Let's uh, be clear. <laughs> doesn't mean material that my student made from. It means, it's financial resources. And here too, let's give a, a, an analogous description. We all know Gvirim. That's our word for wealthy individuals. But, just as, as in the Torah world, there are who know the entire Torah. And there are other fine Tamil who have a uh, significant body of knowledge at their disposal, but not so much. So, too, I mean, you just look at the, what they call the Fortune 500, you know, they're all 500, but the gaps between them are more than you and I will ever make in our lifetimes. Just the gaps. Within the, we'll call today the middle class, there are also very significant gaps. How much more so are the gaps between the wealthy and the middle class and between the middle class and the poor? The poor cannot make it on their own. And these gaps exist. The Torah tells us, Kilo yachtal avion arts is a perennial feature of life. Gaps, material gaps. The topic dealing with these gaps indicates that the gaps exist, and yes, that we must deal with them. Let us begin. Material gaps. This, of course, refers to the mitzvah of tzedakah, of charity, of help with the poor. A mitzvah found many times in the Chumash, in the Nach, in the Gemara. Well, why it seems to be a fairly formal and unromantic act, a person reaches into his or her pocket, takes out money, gives it to an individual who is in need, there's much more to it than that. For looks in, in Rashi, in Parshas Mishpatim, in commenting, in Kesef Talmes Ami Esa Oni Imach, the individual, this im is mandatory, Chazal tell us, not if but when. Esa Oni Imach, the poor person who is with you, 
Rashi tells us, have a mistakal the atmachot, You must look upon the individual as if you yourself were in need. This requires a significant amount of imagination. The person is able to give, that means he's not in need. Imagine, you're required to imagine. We don't often find a Torah obligation to imagine. Imagination is usually something which is you know, the realm of poets. No, no, every single individual is required to imagine. Just put yourself in that person's place, as, as we like to say. Here's an obligation, a requirement, in order to properly fulfill this mitzvah of tzedakah and gemilus chasad. I'd like to share with you the insight of our chachamim. I'd like to begin with the Parsha Shavua, which is a tradition. We're going to read the Shabbos Apostolic, a phrase, it's a simple phrase, Uleven Shinayim Echolov. The literal interpretation is not our main concern right now, but rather the Midrashic interpretation of the Gemara Masechlik Subas towards the very end, that someone who's Malvin Shinayim, who literally smiled at someone with, with the white teeth showing, is a higher level than some of those mashkehu chalos, who provides for the individual's actual needs by giving milk or other food. This indicates that in order to fulfill this mitzvah of tzedakah, of narrowing the gap, if you will, in the material level, it's not sufficient to do it without any sense of feeling, empathy, sympathy. No. You have to smile. That's even more important than the actual money. Towards the beginning, we are taught the one who gives supper, very important, has this many blessings, but one who is Mephaisa, who makes the poor person feel feel better, achieves even greater blessing. I'd like to describe this in the terms of the Haftorah that we read so dramatically on Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year. Chazal shows this Haftorah. We are taught Hello, Faros, Lorev, Lachmecha. An individual is required to give of his bread to someone who's hungry. The reward is clear. Then, whenever you call out to Hashem, He will respond to your prayer. But the part that goes on. You offer your soul to the hungry. Not just your dollar bill, your soul, yourself. What's the reward? 
Hashem Tamid. Hashem will guide you always. This is a higher level. This is the level that before you even call out to Hashem, requesting something. And very often we don't request because we don't even know what to request. Hashem will guide you always. A higher level. And this higher level is a critical dimension of the mitzvah of staka, of dealing with the material gaps in our community. In Achazal, a very, very keen on hammering this point home, may I share with you another idea found in Rashi. We read in Sefer Devarim Hashkifa Mil'on Kod Shukhom and Hashemayim Yes, HaKadosh Baruch Hu after we have taken care given to the Ger, Yosem, Amona among others we've taken care of them and done what we're supposed to do Yes, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Hashkifa. Look out upon us. And Chazal note the term Hashkifa, not found that frequently. And they point out that in other contexts, the same verb has a completely different connotation. If you look way back in Pasha's Vayero, we find the same phrase with respect to the city of Sodom. Sodom, a city which is doomed to destruction. And here we are taught that by Ashkifu is step just before the destruction of this city. The city which of course prohibited kindness. Prohibited Sadaq. Fayashkifu al Sadaq. Says Rashi, Whenever we find the root, Lashkif, it's always for evil. The one exception, we just mentioned before. By giving to the poor, you reverse Hashem's attribute, as it were, of rogas, of anger, into mercy. What does this mean? Why I call Ashkafos the And how is it reversed by our Take care of the poor. You mentioned before a Rashi in Tarshas Mishvatim in the context of Kesef Talvez Ami. 
we find another Rashi. Earlier in the Shvatim, Chabura takas Chabura. A wound for a wound, which of course means monetary payment. Vitagumo Mashkofi. Chabura is translated Mashkofi, the same Shoresh. Lashem Chabata. The Chen Shdufos Kodim. Which we read just scant ten days ago. Shakifun Kodim. Chavutos Beruach. The Chen Ahat. The chain al hamashkov, the lintel of a door, al shem shadelas no kesh of. Remarkable Rashi. Hashkifa means, as in the root of the mashkov, the door constantly banging against the lintel. This is connected to a chabura. If one person wounds another. And somehow this links to the expression of Hashkifo. Vayashkifo Tanei Sedom. What does that mean? What's the connection between hitting someone and looking at someone? There are two English expressions you're probably familiar with. One, looks can kill. Another, the daggers in his eyes. Which means, call Ashkafos the the word by Ashkifu, with its root from Mashkof and Chabura Mashkofi, is the kind of a look in a very negative sense. And when the angels looked upon Dal, a city which was deserving of destruction, that was the kind of look. Call Ashkafos the with one exception. We ask Hashem to look upon us from high, from on high, obviously in a benevolent fashion. And the way we can merit this is only by Matnosanim, as Rashi comments. What does that mean? What's the connection between taking out a dollar and reversing the expression of Hashkafa from anger to mercy? I believe the answer is not the dollar, it's the look. And so on the Imach, as we read before from Rashi in Tarshish Mishpatim, what does it mean, as the on Imach? Rashi tells us, you have to imagine, again, having mistakel ba'atzmecha, ki'ilu ata'oni, a different kind of a look. You look at that individual and put yourself in his shoes. And therefore you're going to smile at him. Not just, you know, someone comes to you, you just throw some money at him to to discharge your obligation of tzedakah and uh, don't give him any smile or words of encouragement. No. The smile and the encouragement are even more important. Because the Adi is not just an individual who has material needs. He's a boss of Adam. He's a human being. He has feelings. And his feelings are critical. I know in my house in, in Riverdale we often have guests who come in need of, of money, whether for personal needs or for various communal needs, and not always able to meet their, their financial requests and, uh, and needs, which are sometimes staggeringly great, 
They provide letters and proofs, medical needs and uh, all kinds of needs. But what we try to do is at least give them some encouragement. Give them a, give them a little smile, something. Make them feel, feel, feel like mention. And I've, thank God, heard some feedback from some of the people who come to my house. I say, you know, maybe the check is not as big as, <laughs> as they like. But at least they feel that, uh, give them some chizik, you shake their hand, you, you, uh, we welcome them in. Give them a little libun shinayim, a little bit. This is critical. It's such an important part of this mitzvah. Chazal, in fact, tell us, in the same sugya of Avasra, the famous question was raised, if your God loves the poor, why doesn't he feed them? The classical answer given by the Gemara. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to give others the opportunity to give to those in need. If Hashem would take care of all their needs, we'd be deprived of this opportunity. And it's not just an opportunity to fulfill the mitzvah, but the Gemara puts it in very pointed terms to save ourselves from serious punishment. Because the midst of tzedakah, perhaps even more than others, has this beneficial effect. Lest you say, if I give tzedakah, so the, the material gap will disappear. Have no fear. It will not disappear. Because Chazal tells us that an individual who gives tzedakah, is himself blessed. How much tzedakah must one give? According to the halach, according to the Gemara, and the Shulchan Aruch, although it may, technically speaking, be a, be a minute, ma'aseh, times, one-tenth. Chazal say famously, aser to aser, when a person should give the tithe, ma'aser, in order to become wealthy. And therefore, a person who gives the money, the 10%, will not lose. Of course, not every single individual must give 10%. You have that, what we call in our language, disposable income. More than you actually need. Until you need, until you're able to fulfill your own needs with your own income, you're exempt. And Igris Moshe is a tshuva. He writes that uh, one of the how to like the Maisa, from the numbers you're giving me, there's no way you're Maisa in the first place. You, you have to put food on the table. But I emphasize, food on the table. Needs, not luxuries. This is not the time to go into specific details what's a need and what's a luxury. But it's the fact that to say, that in our world, there's too much, too much conspicuous consumption, spending on luxuries, sometimes even the expense of the basic requirement to give myosex up, to give 10%, which is really uh, very, very wrong. Very wrong. I've spoken in the past that it's wrong even after you're given the 10%. But that's for a different discussion. So we have to be very careful to try to fulfill the mass itself as long as we have any disposable income more than our basic needs. 
Ideally, we should give 20%. Customarily, we calculate the 10 or 20% inclusive of other charitable causes, including various Torah institutions, etc. Although, technically speaking, the ideal is helping the poor. As it's called, Maasek suffer for, for Aniyah. And therefore, this gap exists, and we are required to try to deal with it. As the Ani Imach, Rashi comments on the very same Pasuk, Ami Kodem, Ani Kodem, Ani Yircha Kodem, Ani Yircha Yisrael Kodem, if you look at the Shulchan Aruch, Ani Yishpachto Kodem, is there those who are related to you and they're in need of money? That's the highest obligation, the first obligation. And there are individuals in this room, undoubtedly, who have relatives, siblings, for example, who lack, who just don't have. That's a very serious priority and stuff, and some people don't realize that. They're so busy writing checks to strangers who come through the door, and Torah institutions are all very, very important. They can have a sibling who's starving. It's not right. What about your own children? So, there's a famous Gemara in the Septuagint, based on the Pasuk of Oset Tzaka B'Choles, who fulfills the mitzvah of Tzaka all the time. This is an individual, the Gemara tells us in the Septuagint, who takes care of, Bonov, Ubenosov, HaKitanim. Takes care of his children, technically speaking, the children, but above the age, in the Gemara, the age of six. That doesn't apply anymore in the Mindset. But above an age when they would be able to go to work, in theory, and you, and you still continue to support them, that's technically speaking called stuff. My father, Zechron Levracha, would often say a word from the various um, uh, money collectors, fundraisers, who when they were, would come to collect money from an individual, he says, what do you want from me? I'm doing stuff all the time. What? And they quote the Gemara, Masech Tzuvus. Oset Tzaka B'choles all the time. I'm taking care of my, my children. So the response of the of the fundraiser was as follows. Based on the post that we read in Vayikra, the Ayavol B'choles Alakovish. With your B'choles, with your taking care of your own children, that's a very nice Gemara. But you want to be going to the holy precinct. It's not enough. You have to be able to help others out of. Yes, charity begins at home, but doesn't end at home. This is a very important point. The Rambam, in Hilfus Matos Anir, gives clear guidelines as to priority in Stoka. The highest priority, the highest, is not giving out alms, charity, but helping somebody to support himself. The greatest stalker is finding someone a job. There's nothing higher. Because if he has his own job, he has his dignity intact, he doesn't have to keep giving, doesn't have to be on the dole, he earns his own livelihood. What a beautiful mitzvah it is to help someone find a job. We know in today's economy there are people out of work, networking, helping, it's the highest level of stuff. 
the higher, nothing higher than that. If we talk about dealing with material gaps in our community, there are individuals who know how to do this. Various kinds of networking and job seeking and helping people write resumes and, and all kinds of different things. It's the highest level. I'm not an expert in how do we deal with this. That's not my responsibility as I understood in today's year. We're talking about dealing with it, that there are gaps, and we have to deal with them. How precisely to deal with them certainly varies from from community to community, from situation to situation. I'm here to emphasize, if you can help someone find a job, this is the highest level of tzedakah. I remember some years back, it's like a shidduch, that's what it really is, it's a shidduch. So my wife was able to find somebody a job. And to this day, when you see that, thank you so much, he's still working in the same job, almost 15, 20 years later. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I'm not talking about multi-billionaires, just, just to put bread on the table to support a large family. She happened to know him a job, she knew where he was, and then, boom, it's a shidduch, a job. It's a beautiful thing. We should all try, each and every one, according to his and her own abilities and capabilities, to do such a thing. And we should try to do it with Shem Shemayim. Second part of my discussion this evening, dealing with spiritual gaps in our community. Interesting, when Moshe Feinstein in the Truva makes a comparison between spiritual gaps and our requirement to deal with them, spiritual gaps and physical ones. For example, someone is a Talmud Chacham, he knows how to learn Torah, and the others who don't know how. Says so Moshe, you're required to give, amazing, 10% of your time to help others, just as you give 10% of your money. That's a very remarkable innovation. But it's something which we have to take very seriously. Very seriously. Torah Shokhesed is Lalanda, to teach to other people. And I chose the idiom of Asia's Chayal advisedly, because this is not something which is limited to male gender. We already heard from Rav Tversky Shalita about women in Talmud Torah. On whatever level, I'll give one example. There's something now which is called Partners in Torah. Which have all you even heard of it. It's a beautiful initiative where individuals can talk on the phone to all across the country and learn an hour, a day, a week, whatever it is, with someone else who has a weaker background in learning Torah. What an amazing mitzvah! And the, I've seen myself some of the incredible achievements of this partners in Torah. One person's in New York, another person's in California, and they've been learning for, for, for years, an hour a week on the phone. And then, when someone in my shul made a simple, who came in from across the country, the partner in Torah. They never met each other before. Now there's Skype, and that's a different world that you're going to even see each other from, from far away. It's not the same as being in the same room. This can be done by anybody. You don't need uh, a yoro a yoro, a smicha. Remember, as, as much or as little as you know, there's someone who knows less. And you can give of yourself. And it's a very fulfilling experience. Members of my family have been involved with partners in Torah. And some of the questions from them, that my partner asked me this question, what's, I don't know the answer. Some of them I don't know the answer either. 
but uh, it's, it's terrific. It's a way to share whatever Torah knowledge you've been blessed with, you've received from your parents and your teachers, and give to someone else. It's the highest level. Chazal tell us that Kabilah's Chazadim is a higher level than actual tzedakah. It applies to all individuals on the receiving end, rich and poor alike. And on the giving end, it's not just your money, it's, it's pagufo, you're giving up yourself. We said before, that the, it's the highest level. How much more so? We bring an individual, not merely from, as we said before, we'll use rough expressions, an amorous to tamasafam, someone who's not so learned to become more learned. How much more so when we give of ourselves what's known today as Kiri Rechokim, to try to bring someone to cross the more significant chasm and divide between someone who's right now not observant to someone who becomes observant. This is unbelievable. If you can do that, you are literally saving lives and producing generations. For those who have succeeded in, in a, in a Kiruv opportunity, and have brought even one person who formerly was not observant and made that individual observant, it's the most wonderful, beautiful, and uplifting experience. I attended a wedding just last night. And a member of my family was involved in this opportunity of Kiruv. It started somewhere in the south, I believe in Charleston, and uh, he met somebody, my son was on a, a trip, and he, he's a, he has certain very, uh, uh, very uh, strong abilities to, to draw people in, and he somehow got into the inside of this individual, and he brought him close, and then he was married, and his two brothers, and they, they came from, and they're getting married, one was married last night. <laughs> the whole family was transformed because of this amazing ability that some people have to give themselves to others in dealing with the spiritual gaps in our community. Not everyone has this ability, it's true, but there's so many opportunities, so many. You have neighbors who we'll are called not yet observant, or co-workers. A little thought, a little word here and there. You never know what tremendous impact it can have over time. The person who's more capable can do more, just as a wealthy person can do more in dealing with the material gap, so a talented person can do more in dealing with the spiritual gap. We certainly should try our best. And here too, just as we saw before, Asher, Asher, Kadeshit is Asher, that the person who's trying to close the gap will not succeed because he will be blessed financially when he gives tzedakah. So too, an individual who gives of himself of his time to help others who are less learned than himself will at the end of the day not lose. There's a famous word of the uh, the Baal HaFlaw, the introduction, where he writes that the person should choose a Rav, we read it in Haftorah recently, who's Domo Lamalach Hashem Tzvokos, who's like an angel. Like an angel, sounds way beyond our understanding, like an angel. So he explains, 
we had this just Naftara from, from again from ten days ago in Hanukkah. We read about the Satan Khamahalchim Ben Omdemoil, which means Kharashbok promises will have Mahalchim individuals who will walk Ben Omdemoil among the angels described in the vision of Zachary. Srofim Omdemimala. Angels are in one place, they stand. And people go up and down. If you're ready, he's a Malach Hashem Tzvachos. What it means is, he's willing to stand still in one place. If not for his student, and the time that he spends in teaching the student, and in taking care of the needs of the student, he could have perhaps studied more Torah. And at first glance, but in the highest spiritual level, at the end of the day, that's not the Rebbe you're looking for, who's only interested in himself and couldn't care less about what the people around him achieve in the Torah. And even certain Rebbe's sometimes are in that category. Stay in the Shir. But if the Rebbe is involved with his Tambinim, and the Rebbe wants to help them, even if it means taking hours of his time, which could otherwise be spent pouring into the depths of, of Tosfus and then and the, 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 the Poskin. And he said he closes his Gemara, and he takes care of his student, either teaching him the more basic elements of Torah, or taking care of the other needs of this particular Talmud, that is the Romans, like Malach Hashem Tzavos, who is willing to be an Omeh. And he concludes the Balach Law, at the end of the day, despite the time which is spent on the needs of others, in Hashem's Cheshem, precisely because he will reach even a higher level in learning Torah as well. Because learning Torah comes from Siyad of the Shemayim, as we are taught in the Gemara. He will be even given greater Siyad of the Shemayim. The Meshachachma writes, Chazal tell us that Noah began as an Ish Ho'adoma, excuse me, as an Ish Tzadik. And at the end of the parasha comes an Ish Ho'adoma. And Moshe Rabbeinu, by contrast, begins with an Ish Mitri and concludes with an Ish Ha'lokim. So what these four ish, what does it mean? So the Meshachachma explains that Noah was an ish tzaddik. They say in Yiddish, a tzaddik in pelts, which means he was you know, like a cold, freezing out of tonight. He was wrapping himself in his fur coat and didn't give enough of himself to the members of his generation. You think, such an individual, wow. He's so focused on his own spiritual growth. Undoubtedly, he's going to reach the highest possible level. No! He sank to become an Isha Adama, a shikr, someone who was intoxicated. Moshe Rabbeinu was an Ish Mitri, saying a little bit different than Rabbeinu Simcha, which means Ish Mitri to Lalom Yadaroim. Instead of communing with the Kodesh Baruch Hu, he decided to take care of the damages of the stress. So you think a fellow like this? Eh, a Dugur, what's going to become of him? <laughs> a Kodesh Baruch Hu took this Moshe Rabbeinu was busy taking care of the sheep and taking care of the, of the women who had problems. And what do you make him into? The Yishalokim, the highest possible spiritual level, communicating directly with the Kodesh Baruch. Same idea. We have to give to others in trying to close a little bit this spiritual gap, but it won't help at the end. The same as the Gvir who gives stuck will become a bigger Gvir. The Talmud Chachal who gives him his Talmud will become even a bigger Talmud Chachal. But everyone will be elevated. That's what we want. We want to elevate everybody, the giver and the receiver. And that's the common denominator with which I will close. Dealing really means giving. And that's the ultimate per- goal of every person in life, to be a giver. 
I refer you to Rav Dastas Mechtav There's a whole country about giving, givers and takers. We should always try to be givers in all areas of life. And in it, it's the ultimate imotafi yodai. Kapi HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a nosen. Nosen lechem luchal basar. Takes care of our material needs. Baruch HaTo Hashem, nosen HaTorah. Takes care of our spiritual needs. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the ultimate nosen. And we have to try to emulate it. Mahu HaFatah. I must mention this because I think it's important. We speak of of gas in our community. Sometimes we unfortunately find gas even within a household. Not necessarily spiritual or material. There's not enough warmth and connection between members of a household, parents and children, husbands and wives. We have to see to it that we close these gaps. These are the most important gaps to close. He said before charity begins at home. I was talking about material support of members of the family, specifically outside the home, really. Siblings, etc. Certainly applies within the home itself, in the spiritual realm. How close are you with your children? How close are you with, with your spouse? I know people outside the home, they smile everybody. They come home and they're all sudden a sourpuss. I have to smile. It's my own wife. I have to smile. She knows. She knows who I am. That's such a such a terrible mistake. Such a terrible, terrible mistake. That's how a person has to relate to a wife, a wife to a husband, always with a smile. Leven shinayim echolov. Very often the wife prepares the meals. All right, we'll give an example. She puts, puts out the milk. She gives cholov to her husband. But the more important to smile at him, and vice versa. This is so, so important in our own homes. So important. Now, best to have this as a matter of fact in discussing husbands and wives. It's one of the dimensions of his countries. As he would say to each and every couple, this is his constant, every couple got the same schmooze. He writes himself in the safe. He tells them, if you and your marriage will be givers, each to one another, You'll be happy for the rest of your lives. If you try to be takers, you're in for trouble. If you're a taker, it's like a business, you know, as long as I'm, on, I'm gaining more than I'm losing, so then it pays to stay in the business, otherwise we liquidate the business, Khalil al-Khas in this case. If you're into giving, so the more you go through things in life, whatever they may be, you give more, you give more, you give more, it's a life and opportunity to fulfill chesed, both in the spousal relationship as well as the parent-child relationship. And give us the wisdom. And as we heard before from Rav Tversky, the resolve, based on this wisdom, to deal with the spiritual and material gaps in our community. And perhaps, if we do it properly, we'll be privileged to witness a Kodesh Baruch's promise At the end of days, whatever gaps will exist, will be at such a high level, on a spiritual level, it's not the physical, but the material level. On the material level, although the Pesach said, Lo the care of ours, there's another seemingly contradictory Pesach. 
Lo Ramban and Parshat Shirei discussed the various ends to this uh, seeming contradiction. We should resolve it to a time that there will be gaps materially, but no one will be poor. Everyone will have basic needs. And so too spiritually. Whenever higher levels will be reached, we hope for that day when the words of the Navi will be fulfilled climactic words of the Rambam, that everyone, each and every individual, will be on a spiritually high level. Mola Oretz Deat Hashem, Kamayam Leom Achasim, Tadheir of Yameinu Amin.